Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I remember the first time I heard a Mary Oliver poem. It's really a precious memory on a par with my first taste of summer peach and my first real kiss. I was in my 30s hosting a baby shower at my home for a new neighbor and someone offered this mother-to-be, Mary Oliver's famous poem, The Summer Day, as a blessing. I remember vividly that day being called to attention by that poem. Just like the two brothers were brought back to their senses by the broom of the doorstop in the tiny bedroom. And though I was hearing it for the first time, The last line rang a bell loud and clear for me. Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Wow, I thought, had I ever been asked such a question? Not that I could remember. And I do recall clearly in that moment how this call to attention made me want to change something in my life. So I asked my friend, Polly, the poem's reader that day, to borrow the book. And in the days and weeks after that, first encounter with Mary Oliver and the poem, The Summer Day, I came to realize I was actually called to attention prior to the last line in that poem, drawn to an earlier phrase which reads, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention. This line was a code breaker for me. Aha, I thought. I felt exactly the same way. Though I was spiritually hungry, I was, alas, pretty certain that I too did not know exactly what a prayer was. But I thought I knew how to pay attention. And it dawned on me that day that unless I paid attention, I might never understand what to do with my one wild and precious life. Then I noticed again and again how much Mary Oliver talks about attention. And later I read another of her beautiful poems about attention called, Yes, No. And for me, it sealed the deal I was making with Mary Oliver and with attention. Here's that poem. How necessary it is to have opinions. I think the spotted trout lilies are satisfied standing a few inches above the earth. I think serenity is not something you just find in the world, like a plum tree holding up its white petals. The violets along the river are opening their blue faces like small, dark lanterns. The green mosses, being so many, are as good as brawny. How important it is to walk, not in haste, but slowly, looking at everything and calling out, yes, no. The swan for all, his pomp, his robes of grass and petals, 
wants only to be allowed to live on the nameless pond. The catbriar is without fault. The water thrushes down among the sloppy rocks are going crazy with happiness. Imagination is better than a sharp instrument. To pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. So in earnest, at this time in my life, I tried to make attention and noticing my practice, my endless and proper work. Before I began attending divinity school, I was a designer, a graphic designer of colors and patterns and type and images, and a crafter of brand identities planted firmly at the intersection of art, commerce, and meaning-making. Day in and day out, for the better part of three decades, I wandered into the emotional wilderness with my clients. Outfitted with my creative toolbox of words, pictures, and colors, helping people notice what they noticed about what they were trying to do in the world, in business and in life, what they were trying to build or design or share. I was the hired gun, an attention sensor there to help them identify and express their most authentic core values and desires. And it was my hope that if I could assist them in focusing their desires, their values, their voice, and their attention in a more well-defined and well-designed way, whatever they loved, whether it was beer or tea or mustard or film or music or ideas, that could flow more authentically into creation and manifest in the world. I was a professional noticer. Notice what you notice became a clarion call for me and for my clients. But if I'm going to be honest, and uh, what better place than here, to be honest, it was really a clarion call more for others than it was for myself. And what I truly noticed was that sometime during this time, my ability to notice what I was noticing had disintegrated. My ability to pay attention to what drew my attention had atrophied. All those sleep-deprived years of intense work outsourcing my attention in the service of others, not only clients, but children, partners, friends, and keeping up with the complexities and vagaries of the warming, melting world hadn't helped. Neither had the pandemic helped with its distinct muddy paw prints of never-ending slow-motion vigilance. I felt endlessly and easily distracted. I found it difficult to focus on one thing for an extended period. Partially read books piled high on my bedside table. I was noticeably more restless, anxious, agitated. And like other great perennial human dilemmas of life and death and love, I wondered if our tendency to distraction was as old as human time, but I also intuited that something else was going on. And I suspected that I was not alone in my experience of slip sliding across the surface of my life. I was confused and self-critical 
It was a low burn state that languished for years. What was happening? And so you can imagine I was more than delighted to find Johan Hari's 2022 book called Stolen Focus, subtitled Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again. Well, bullseye, just what I was looking for. Over a period of two years, after experiencing his own acute crisis of attention, Hari meets and interviews over 200 leading scientific, spiritual, medical, and psychological experts on human attention. With meticulous clarity and research, Hari identifies 12 interconnected and interwoven factors that have the ability to render human attention better or worse. Factors that include technology and information overload, increased stress, relentless trauma, overexhaustion, poor diet, air pollution, the collapse of sustained reading, the disruption of mind wandering, and the loss of childhood as a state of being. And spoiler alert, unfortunately at its worst, it is in the words of one scientist, a perfect storm of cognitive degradation. Though sobering, it's nonetheless a beautiful book and I highly recommend it to you if you feel like it, your attention or the attention of your loved ones has been compromised. But be aware, Johann Hari's book and his message is a spiritual and political manifesto. It's not a self-help help manual. And so to better sustain us here today together on this mini attention pilgrimage, I want to distill Hari's far-reaching research and wisdom down into three essential trail markers. Number one, the loss of attention is not the loss of individual will, nor is it an individual failing. According to Hari, and I agree with him on this after reading all the experts, our attention did not collapse, it was stolen. And while the scene of the crime has spread far beyond technology, many of the experts that Hari speaks to in the book were at the heart of Silicon Valley when these technologies of surveillance capitalism were developed and the developers were fully aware of how these technologies were deteriorating our attention. They withheld exposure to these technologies from their own children, but failed to sound the alarm bell for the rest of us. Hari identifies dozens of things you can do as an individual to mitigate the effects of this technology. This technology has to do with the demise of our attention, but in the end, undertaking these individual strategies alone is somewhat like putting on an oxygen mask to prevent air pollution. You individually are a bit safer in the short run, but your individual action does nothing to address the air pollution crisis overall. Hari concludes, we ought not to feel guilty and we won't feel true relief for our attention degradation until we can come together collectively to understand and address the full scope of the problem. Number two, we've been evolving here now for about 40,000 years. 
Yet, science has just recently determined beyond a reasonable doubt, right here over across the river, that our brains are still capable of fo focusing only on one thing at a time, one. Multitasking is a myth born of our anthropomorphizing technology. When we think we are multitasking, we are really only switching our attention quickly from one thing to another, and this switching and this speed degrades attention, performance, cognition, and experience. And here's a little good news, number three. Practicing flow states is powerful medicine. We all have at one time or another experienced a flow state, that gusher of concentration and attention that feels deeply meaningful, almost euphoric, where time and ego disintegrate and life feels buoyant and effortless, like rocking a baby, climbing a rock face, holding a loved one's hand. Observing the fuzzy black-beaked baby crows, laughing tears into prayer rugs. There is a method to this magic medicine of flow states and intention and goal setting are at the heart of it. First, identify one thing that is meaningful to you and that is at the outer edge of your comfort zone and then just do that one thing without interruption. It's not easy, but it is that simple. Returning to Mary Oliver's poetry after reading Hari's book was reassuring for me because I was reminded of the way Oliver is never concocting elaborate self-serving metaphors about the natural world. She is simply reflecting back to the reader what is in front of her. Just look at the beauty right in front of you, she reminds us. That's enough. Spending time in nature always holds the possibility of encounter if we pay attention. Dear ones, this we know. We are not alone but together in our calamity of attention. And to weather this storm, only remembering our true humanity will be helpful one thing at a time, slow, steady, surely. And without sustained attention, we will not be able to set sacred intentions for recovery and healing alone or together. Hey, all y'all, it's what Mary says. To pay attention, this is our endless and proper work. We must pay attention collectively and individually. Let's agree to talk to one another about it. Taking a moment to be in the moment. Let's agree to pay the personal spiritual toll of pausing just long enough to feel some space, some clarity, some balance, some connectedness, a smirk, a snort, a smile, and tears, all the miracles we have forgotten to treasure for the sake of our vulnerable selves and our hopeless laughing at our laughing, our precious children and all of our wild and precious lives. 
our democratic civilization, the blue-green ball floating in space that we call home, and creation itself. We do know how to pay attention. We were designed for it. We were built to love what is in front of our faces. And if we forget, let's drape ourselves across each other and the world to help us remember. Amen. Before our benediction, I invite you, those of you in the Zoom room to please reach out your hands and touch the edges of your Hollywood squares. And those of you in the sanctuary, please raise your hands, palms out. Let's send loving kindness to the people to your left, the people to your right, on either side of you and the people on either side of them. Send out love into this beloved spiritual community and feel it coming back to you. Love is the spirit of this congregation. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart in namaste. I bow to the divine in you. For today and every day, remember to pay attention. Notice your breath, let in the breeze, listen to others deeply, hear the first giggle of a grandchild. May we be generously willing to offer up our own spiritual toll of pausing, doing one thing at a time in the sacredness of each moment the way we were designed, slowing down, putting a little space around it. May we grow in our capacity for attention in this freely given gift of the present moment and may this attention flood us with creativity, healing, perspective, and love. May it be so. Amen. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. Pay attention, dear ones. Amen.
please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace.